Why don't we go ahead and give the Lord some praise in this house this evening. From the bottom of our hearts, let's give him glory. Somebody just go ahead and shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. I will bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. I will bless. I will bless. I wish someone would just bless the Lord from the bottom of your heart. I will bless the Lord. Glory be to God. Come on, let's just go a little deeper in this house right now. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place. The Spirit of the Lord is in this house. The Spirit of God Almighty is in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let the Holy Ghost fall in this assembly. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, lift up your voices. Keep praying, keep praying. The Spirit of the Lord is here. Hallelujah. Let's just invite the presence of God to speak to our hearts even right now. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, just a little further, just a little further. Just a little further. Let me just get this out of the way right now. It is not a coincidence that all of us are gathered together from myself to maybe the first-time visitor that is gathered together in this house tonight to praise the name of the Lord. It is not a coincidence. This has been divinely orchestrated by God Almighty. It is the will of God that you be here. It's the will of God that I am here. And I feel the Lord just moving upon my heart tonight to just kind of throw the script away for a moment here. And let's just get into what thus saith the word of the Lord for this church at this moment. I have not come with a ready-made, uh, tested and time-tested message that I preached 150 times. I have come to this house with a word from the Lord. And this word from the Lord is going to reassure you. It should revive you. It should fill you with joy. You should walk out of this building tonight dancing and shouting and leaping and running. And then I've come to give someone hope in this house today. I've come to give you hope that you're in the right place at the right time. I've come to give you hope that your life can change. I've, 
I've come to give you hope by the grace and by the word of God Almighty that your life will never be the same. God has not forgot about this church. God has not forgotten about you, young man and young woman. God has not forgotten about you. I said this this morning at the church in Fort Myers. Um, I, I said everyone that is in the building, and me not knowing hardly anyone, everyone that is in the building is here because God wants you to be here. And right about the time I said that, there was a couple that walked in the back door. It was a young couple with the mother. And uh, I preached a simple message today on Jesus Christ and that he can change your life. That's, that's what I preached. It was simple. It wasn't a conference message. Uh, no one would probably even buy the tape. But it was a simple message. And at the end of the message, those ladies and that young man came to the altar. And my wife began to pray for them, and I went down and prayed for them myself. And after the prayer was over, she began to tell my wife that when she walked into this house, or what brought her to the church that day was not a flyer, it was not a billboard, it wasn't the sign at the Rock Church, it was simply the fact that she was scared because she was having problems with her heart. She would go to the doctor and the doctor couldn't find out what the problem was with her heart. She didn't understand and, and so that morning she woke up with pain in her chest and numbness in her left arm, just a a 20-something-year-old woman. And she came to the house of God because she thought, if the doctors don't know how to fix it, maybe God knows how to fix it. And so I don't know exactly what made her choose the Rock Church, but she came in, and I preached, and I talked about how the Lord can heal anything, anytime, place, And I, I said, the Lord wants to, to be your healer today, and he wants to be uh, your provider today. And so she ran up to the altar and lifted up her hands. And at the end of it all, she said she has absolutely no more pain anymore. All the pain in her chest is left. All the pain in her arm is gone. And the young man that came with them was so moved by the Holy Ghost, he said, well, you know what? I want to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Hallelujah. You are in this house, and it is by, by divine order that you're in this place. Hallelujah. Grab your Bibles. Let's move quickly into the word of the Lord. I give honor to Brother and Sister Feld and all the, the ministers and the staff. Good to be with you in the house of the Lord. I have enjoyed my time here immensely. The hospitality has been second to none. And uh, I, I, I love the people of God here in Belglade. And all of you that were here with the conference and, and went to the deeper places, my God have mercy. Why don't we do it again tonight? Acts chapter 27, we'll begin reading with verse number 9, and we'll go down to verse number 26. And the Bible says, Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and the ship, but also of our lives. So Paul is getting ready to jump into the ship and take a voyage. And before he gets into the ship and before they cast out into the sea, Paul stands up and says, Sirs, I perceive that there will be much danger and there will be uh, great harm come to this ship and, yes, even our lives if we cast out. Nevertheless, verse 11, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken of by the Apostle Paul. Now, this is actually, uh, it's, it's, um, it makes sense. Paul was not a sailor. Paul was not uh, an expert on, on voyages. He, he didn't know uh, more than the owner of the ship. Surely the owner of this vessel would know more than him concerning a voyage and concerning this boat and concerning the weather that would occur. But what they failed to realize is that the Apostle Paul was a man of God. Hallelujah. I feel like preaching this tonight. Verse 12, And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means that they might attain to Phoenix. And there went to winter, which is a haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and the northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. They're out in the sea. They're, they're sailing. They're, 
They're on this voyage. They didn't heed the words of Paul. Verse 14, but not long after there arose against it a temptuous wind called an Arachlodon. Now, an Arachlodon can be likened to that uh, of the force of a hurricane. And I think some of you are familiar with the force of the winds or the, the gale winds of a hurricane, okay? They're, they're facing these winds. And so, verse 15, and when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. In other words, we can't do anything else. She's just going to go ahead and drive this thing. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, straight sail, and, were, and so were driven. And we, being exceedingly tossed with the tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. They threw some things over. We've got to get some stuff out of here. We've got to lighten this load up. Verse number 18. And we be exceedingly tossed with the tempest. The next day they lighten the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope, everyone say all hope. I wonder if anybody's been in this position where all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. All hope that we should be saved was taken away. This storm had ravaged the boat. It had caused fear in the sailors. It has caused fear in all 276 individuals that were on the boat. And if you were to take a vote of all the feelings that they felt on that boat, I guarantee you they would all say that they were scared out of their minds. We lost all hope. They had come to the conclusion, we're just going to die here right on this boat. Verse 21, but after long abstinence, Paul stood forth. Now remember, Paul's a man of what? He's a man of God. He stood in the midst of them and said, sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and have not loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. I know you're scared. I, I know you've went through uh, this storm and it's raging the boat and ravaging the boat. And I, I know it's scaring you beyond measure. But I stand in the midst of thee and I declare with a loud resounding voice, be of good cheer. I can just imagine the sailors on that boat. <laughs> be of good cheer you got to be out of your ever-loving mind. Be of good cheer. Who in the world do you think you are, Paul? What are you going to do? You're going to save us? Paul understood that he had to qualify the statement that he made. And so he says this, uh, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. I had a visitation, boys. While you all were scared out of your minds and, and tossing and toiling and talking to each other how you don't have any hope, I had a visitation in the middle of the storm. And this visitation was from an angel of the Lord. And he said uh, this. He said, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, I don't believe this wind that's blowing right now. I don't even believe what the, the, the sailors say. I, I don't believe what the owner of the ship says. I believe God. It may look bad outside. It may look like I'm in the midst of a storm and I'm never going to get through this thing. But I believe God. Somebody needs to hear this for a moment. You need to believe God. I don't know what kind of storm you're in tonight. I don't know what kind of hell is, uh, what hell that you are going through right now. But one thing I do know that I have been sent here by God Almighty in the midst of your storm to tell you, my brother, and to tell you, my sister, be of good cheer. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. How be it? Here it is. How be it? We must be cast upon a certain island. I just want to preach this subject tonight. Be of good cheer. 
you have a place to go. Be of good cheer, you have a place to go. Put down your Bibles and one more time with a loud voice, with a loud resounding voice. Let's lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, my God, have mercy. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Somebody's going to leave here delivered. Somebody's going to leave here set free on fire for the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. One more time, clap your hands into the Lord. You could be seated in the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul was certainly a man of God. He was a man of God that had vision. He was a man of God that had ministry. He was not a lazy man of God. He was a man of God that was about the business of God Almighty. He was about seeing souls filled uh, with the Holy Ghost and being brought into the kingdom of God. There was, in my opinion, no greater man in the New Testament other than Jesus Christ than that of the Apostle Paul. He was surely about the king's business. I believe he woke up in the morning and the first thing that came to his mind was what can I do for the Lord today? I believe that when he was in the midday that the thing that was on his mind was not about what kind of car he was going to get or what kind of house he was going to obtain. I believe that his mind was ever on the work of God Almighty. I believe when he went to sleep, uh, before he went to sleep, and, and uh, realizing that his body needed to sit down and rest for a moment, I believe that he did that uh, with a little bit of hesitation because he wanted to do the work of God so strongly. This Apostle Paul was a man that was driven by Jesus Christ. He was a man that was driven by the Holy Ghost. I believe that the Apostle Paul put the things of God first. It wasn't about his gain. It was about the gain of the kingdom of God. It wasn't about his personal increase. It was about the increase of the kingdom. He denied himself so many times. He, he, he uh, uh, gave in to the will of God ever, uh, ever and always. He, he loved the work of God even when it caused him pain. Even when he was thrown into the jail, I still believe he loved the work of God. He didn't question his calling. He didn't want to get out of what God wanted him to do. He was content in knowing that God was still with him and he was on a mission from the Lord. Now the Apostle Paul, as I spoke on uh, Friday night, he was a spiritual man. And only really spiritual people can understand the workings and the formations of God Almighty. I need to tell someone in this house today that God is working. And these last few years and these last maybe 10 or 15 years, and I don't know anything really about this church, I can tell you that God has been formulating some stuff and God has been putting pieces to the puzzle in place. God has been arranging everything that is in front of your eyes and everything that you see right now it's been the one it's been God that has been in control and the apostle Paul knew this he knew that God was in control of everything he knew that God was the divine author and finisher of his faith he understood that God was going to do what God wanted to do and he was just the instrument by which God would do it through so this man of God this preacher this man that has spiritual insight, this man that preached holiness and godliness and separation in a world, in a day when it wasn't popular to preach it. He would preach it in Corinth, in the city where it was overrun by the church of Aphrodite. He would preach holiness and separation. He would preach the kingdom of God. He wouldn't think twice of rebuking a church if they weren't praising God like they should or if they weren't sound in the doctrine. He was a man of God. He was a man that believed God. He was a man that was only concerned with the approval of God Almighty, not the approval of man. He was a man of God. 
And I can say this boldly today. What this world needs is we need more Apostle Pauls. Well, no dub, preacher. What we need is we need more men that care more about what God thinks about them than what man thinks about them. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. We do not need a world that's filled with pansified preachers that try to tickle everyone's ears and make them feel good. We still need preachers today that can get behind the pulpit and say, Sir and ma'am, I love you with all my heart, but you have to repent of your sins. You have to get those things out of your life. You have to change. That's what we need today. Oh, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. That's what we need. We need men like the Apostle Paul. We need men that understand that everything is in God's control. And so, this man, Apostle Paul, he went to this boat. And he tried to warn the sailors. He, he tried to warn the owner of the boat, don't cast out. If you cast out, there's going to be loss of life. If you cast out, the boat will be ravaged and wrecked. Don't cast out. The boat. I am a man of God. I have a work to do. I have been called to Rome. I am to go before Caesar. I have a plan and I'm begging you. I'm pleading to you. Don't cast out the boat. Because if you do, it's going to jeopardize my calling. It's going to jeopardize the plan that God has for me. It could jeopardize my mission that I'm on for God Almighty. What if I don't make it? What if I fail? What if I fall? What if I die in this? Please, whatever you do, don't cast out the boat. So they didn't listen to the heedings and the warnings by the Apostle Paul, and they went ahead and cast out the boat. And there Paul was with 275 other men. There they were, and sure enough, this rock. Came this hurricane, this gale force winds were ravaging the boat. And I can just imagine the Apostle Paul. Oh God, you've called me to go before Caesar. You've called me to go to Rome to spread the gospel. You've sent me on this missionary journey. You've called me and you saved me. Why would you put me in a storm that would that would that would uh make my mission or make my journey and make my calling at risk, why would you put me in the midst of all of this turmoil and storm that's in my life? And as a pastor, as a young pastor, there's nothing more than I wanted to do in my life than to do the work of God. And I had it all figured out, pastor. It was going to be a grand day when I took over the pastorate of my church. It was going to be a grand day when I went to the city in which God called me at age 16 on a Sunday morning and gave me a vision of six churches in my city. It was going to be a grand day when I would stand behind that pulpit and preach my first message as the pastor of that church. But there was other things that came in my life and there was other storms that had to go through my life. And I began to get a little bitter at God and I began to ask God, you called me for a mission and you called me for this situation. Why in the world are you putting this stuff in my life right now? Why? Why are you doing this to me? I wonder if anyone has ever questioned God. Why am I dealing with cancer? Why am I dealing with diabetes? Why am I dealing with a broken home? Why am I dealing with kids that aren't serving God and living for God? Why am I dealing with this God? Why? I've done everything you wanted. I gave my life to you. Am I dealing with this? And so, storms came. Finances crashed. What am I doing here, Lord? And I felt in the midst of that storm that I was going through. And, and I just need to be honest with you because I believe in preaching honest. I was at the edge of having a nervous breakdown. I didn't have anyone to talk to. I didn't have a mentor to go and ask advice from. I was at the verge of having a nervous breakdown. Lord, you called me, but why am I going through this storm? Why is this hurricane coming? The mission is that we see six churches. The mission is 3,000 souls filled with the Holy Ghost. The mission is to see people filled with the precious. Why? So I felt one night when I went to my room and got down on my knees. And, and folks, I lost my composure under the presence of God Almighty. And in the midst of all of my panic, in the midst of all of my worry, in the midst of all of that, I kind of heard the voice of the Lord say, Phil Andrews, you be of good cheer. Everything 
is going to be all right. But what about the finances and what about the people that work for me, God? I, I, I'll give up any bit of money that I have and, uh, to pay them. And I'll give up everything. What do you want me to do, God? How is this going to be of good cheer? I have never left you. I have never forsaken you. I have called you to this city. But Phil Lindris, there are things that you must go through right now that's going to make you the man that I need you to be so that you may fulfill the mission. So don't get mad in the midst of this storm. Phil Lindris, I want you to embrace this storm because this storm is going to cause you to be the man that I desire you to be. I feel like this that in this house tonight there is a man and there is a woman that is going through a storm and you thought you would never get through the storm and you've been questioning God and saying God why don't you love me and why hast thou forsaken me I've got news for you brother and sister God has not left you neither will God forsake you I encourage you tonight to be of good cheer somebody needs to give praise to the Lord right now Hallelujah. I feel the presence of Almighty God here. Oh, we need you. So it was. I remember the day very clearly. We needed an extra $8,000 to pay the bills on a month, and we didn't have it. And me, I am pretty hands-on. I'm pretty energetic. I don't let just say, uh, I don't have the, the personality, oh, who cares? I have the personality, well, how are we going to get that done right now? So, Lord, <laughs> it's next week. I've been pastor all of a month. How are we going to get $8,000? I can't believe the feeling that came over me, Brother Hoffman. The Lord just said, I got it. Chill out. Don't worry about it. You with me this day? I remember going to the apartment. I'm not worried about it. I've got it. We had an offering, a record offering, that week, and we paid every bill. Every bill. Every bill. And God supplied every need for the next year or two years. And not only did God supply the need, but God added and added and blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed. But the blessing only came after I realized that I, Phil Lindris, am not the one in control. That my God and my Father is the one in control. He will make a way out of no way. He can still heal cancer. He can still deliver you out of your mess. He is still, he can still get you out of your financial difficulty. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. God is still in control. So church, be of good cheer. So there he is, Paul, in the midst of the storm. He's on the boat, ravaged by this Eurachnodon. Negative thoughts and bad, uh, bad uh, a conversation going around on around him. Negative everything. Be of good cheer. You see, sometimes when the going gets bad or the going gets tough, people want to get out. It's the same thing that happened here in the word of the Lord. For it says, but when the 14th night was come, as we're driven up and down in Andrea, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country, verse 28, and sounded and found it 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it 15 fathoms. Then, here again, he already said, be of good cheer. But these boys were still fearing, then fearing, lest we should have fallen upon rocks. They cast four anchors out of the stern. And wish for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea under color, as they though uh, would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul, he stood up again and said to the centurion and to the soldiers, Now listen, boys, I know you didn't listen to me the first time, but y'all are fixing to die. 
Why don't you give God a chance here? Why don't you give my Lord a chance? He says this. He says, except these men abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Whatever you do, brother and sister, don't jump out of the boat. The first response to a storm is, i got to get out of this boat. i got to get out of this ship. Let me just get on out of here, and that will make everything better. And so what we do is we just go ahead and, and, and we leave the storm, and we, 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 we jump ship, and we get out of the storm, and hopefully we can make it to a, 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 a sandier beach and a, and a brighter day and to greener glass grasses. We think if we just uh, go ahead and vacate the premise and vacate Uh, the storm that everything is going to be all right. we must understand tonight that the storms are there to take us to places that we would never go ourselves. The storms are there to mold us and to shape us into the men and the women that God desires us to be. I don't care if you're five years old here today, and I don't care if you're a hundred years old today. God places storms in our lives, and we are never too old, and we are never too young to, 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 to learn a lesson from God Almighty and our faith be increased because God will supply all of those needs. He really will. So there Paul was. Stay in the boat. But the boat's getting ravaged. The storm is not letting down, man. Why don't we just get on up out of the boat? You know, if we got out of the boat and swam for it, I think there's a shore over there somewhere. I don't know what it is. And, and Paul's saying, Baby, you can go if you want to, but you're going to die. But let me tell you something about that shore. That shore is not the certain island. Remember, we read that Paul had to go to a certain island. That shore over there is not the certain island. That's not the place that God wanted us to go to. That's not the place where the promise of God is. That is just a place where you can feel safe and be out of the will of God. So if you want to be out of the will of God, if you want to go to that, that, that island where you might feel some safety, you are not going to see the miracles, the signs, and the wonders of God. He said, let me reiterate to you, boys, and I can just imagine Paul saying this. I am a man of God that is after the business of God Almighty and as long as you're with me baby you're not going to die because I have a certain island to go to I have a certain place to go to but if you get out of this boat and you leave the man of God then there is no promise that you will be saved as a matter of fact you will die I need to tell somebody today stay in the boat no matter how bad the storm is today stay in the boat stay connected to the man of God stay connected to the man of God that's over your life stay in the boat Oh, when the storm comes, we want to run. That's really first response. But folks, don't run, don't run, don't run. Cling to the apostle Paul. Cling to the man of God. Because in the man of God is where you will find the promise that you will make it to a certain island. Give God praise. You can be seated. Pastor Hopper. Called you. How long have you been in Lake Placid? Five years. Have you had any storms? Are you in a storm right now? Well, stay in the boat. God is not finished with you yet. God is not done with you yet. There is going to be a mighty apostolic church in Lake Placid. There will be a mighty apostolic church in Lake Placid. Is it all right if we just get in the Holy Ghost tonight and move by the Spirit? Is it all right if we just move in the Spirit tonight? Just you anymore. I want to hear a voice from God. I want to hear a voice from God Almighty. I want to hear a resounding voice. God Almighty. So there Paul was in, this, in the midst of all of these unbelievers, these doubters. How are we ever going to be saved? Because I'm a man of God. And I'm called to God. The only response I had for my wife when she asked, how did you do? Baby, I'm called here. I'm called here. 
And today, with so many people out of town, we had 358 people in service. 60 regulars were out of town. 60 regulars. A couple years ago, it was just 240. I'm not saying this to brag. Yes, I am. I'm sorry, I am. I'm saying this to brag. Not about Phil Endress, about my Jesus. through all the storms, through all the rain. And right now, I, I've got to admit, it's pretty smooth sailing right now. It's, it's smooth. I'm having some sunny days right now. I'm enjoying it. Y- y'all didn't get the pun. I'm, I'm in Florida, sunny days. All right. <laughs> it was snowing today in Chicago, but I'm enjoying a sunny day. <clears throat> they can enjoy the storm right now. I'm enjoying a sunny day. But I do know this. If that storm creeped up in my life tomorrow or the next day or the week after or in two weeks, I'm prepared. And I'm anchored. And I'm secure in knowing that my God has called me to where I'm to be called. I am secure in knowing that there will be churches. There will be six churches in my city. And we will take that city. If God has to throw us through storms in my a few storms in my life to get me to be the man that I want to be, then that's all right. I embrace the storms. I sat in a doctor's chair two years ago, and he looked into my throat because I was having problems with it. I, I would get hoarse after every time I preached. When I sang, I could never even sing in my range. It was, it was deteriorating. My voice was deteriorating right before my eyes. And so I said, that's it. I'm getting this thing checked out. It was on a Monday after I preached. And I went in there, I was hoarse, and I said, oh, I'm having some problems in my throat, man. Would you check it out? And so he said, sit down. Go sit down for me. He sat down, and he got his little deal, and he said, open up your mouth. Just like that. Walked away, took his gloves up, said, we need a biopsy. I said, brother, now, this is what I thought. I didn't say it. I, wanted, I don't know what college you went to. And I don't know what people skills you kind of have. But how about you sugarcoat that for me a little bit, all right? He said, come on, come with me. And so he took me to the big chair, and he put this scope down my throat. And for that three or four minutes before that scope got down my throat, I'm thinking I got cancer in my throat. How am I ever going to be a preacher? And how am I ever going to be a pastor if I lose my voice? And what is my wife going to do? And what are my kids going to do? I don't know anything else but the word of God and how to preach and all of that. What in the world am I going to do? And this fear set in. The storm was raging. And I'm telling you, it was a battle in my mind. I sat down in that chair, and he gave me a little, little, little assurance. He said, oh, I don't see any cancerous tumors, um, but, but you are definitely dealing with a severe case of acid in your throat. Everything is almost swollen shut, young man. You, you, you've got to get this remedied. And so I said, okay. He goes, but it could be cancer. And so I'm recommending that we do a biopsy on everything. I said, well, get it done. And I was waiting for him to get an instrument and start doing it. He said, we got to make an appointment. I said, I'm here right now. You get the knife and let's go for this thing. Let's get the biopsy done. He said, no. No, we got to wait. I said, well, when's the next time I get in? He said, how about two weeks? I said, that ain't going to work for me. I'm, I'm a person of vision. I like to think of things five years down the road, ten years down the road. And uh, this little cancer thing was in the midst or blocking my vision a little bit. And I said, two weeks ain't going to do. I'm going to go crazy. You go ahead and get a knife, and you do it right now. He said, listen, I can't do that. But how about in six days? I can fit you in in six days. I said, is that the best deal you can give me? He said, that's the best. Six days later, I went in. And uh, he, he, he changed his mind. He didn't want to give me a biopsy. He wanted to give me a CAT scan of my whole body to see if cat, uh, cancer was, was ravaged throughout my body. And so they gave it a CAT scan. I remember there in the waiting room that uh, when I was getting a CAT scan, there was a man who I absolutely knew had cancer. He had cancer. He was shriveled down to nothing. Sitting right next to me, he was going to get a CAT scan himself. My wife was there with me. I remember walking the hallway just financial deal, not this. What is going on? So, you know those people that give CAT scans, they know what they're talking about. They can look at that CAT scan and tell you exactly if you got it or not. They're just as smart as most doctors. And so, 
they took that CAT scan, and I knew what I was going to do. Hey, bro, uh, I'm sorry, I won't call you bro, elder. <laughs> bro, how about you tell me what's on there? Do I have cancer? I said, no, I can't tell you. I said, come on, bro, I, whatever. What do you want? Tell me what I got or what I don't got. I can't tell you anything. I said, oh, my gosh. So I blew up my doctor's phone. You know what blew up means? That's a, that's a Gary term. I blew up my doctor's phone every day. Hey, doc, you got the results yet? Hey, doc, what do you think? What, what do you think, doc? You think I'm going to die? What's up, doc? And finally, he said, your CT scan is okay. You should have seen me do a praise in my living room. I'm telling you, I was knocking stuff down, tears running down my face. I was dancing and shouting and lifting up God. And then that, you, you, can imp- uh, you can insert the adjective you like, but l- I'll give you the point. And then that little man decided that he was going to do another but. But, just to be certain, we need to go ahead and do that biopsy. I said, why in the world didn't you do that in the first place? We're going to have to do that biopsy. He said, the problem, I think, might be stemming from your tonsils. And so, why don't we just go ahead and take a biopsy of your tonsils? I said, how do you take a biopsy of your tonsils? He goes, we, we just remove them. I said, okay, doc, if you're scaring me just because you need a paycheck and you need to do surgery, I'm going to kill you. Now, I didn't say that, but I was, I was thinking that. <clears throat> and so I said, let's get it done. I'll come in today. Take those suckers out. And let's get this thing going. No, we can't do that. How long? Two weeks. Nope, not going to work. Nope. He said, how about three days? I said, that's more like it. I went in there, and I remember the night before. We go in at 4 in the morning. We all think of a tonsil operation, no big deal, right? I'm wondering about cancer. And I remember getting in the shower alone and saying, Lord, I rededicate myself again to you. I submit myself to you again. Lord, let this come back clean. I want to do your work. And so we took out the tonsil, and I said, when am I going to get the results? He said, a week. I said, what do I do? I said, doctor, let me, let me just tell you, I need those, those results in that scan. I'll, I'll do my best. And so, again, I blew up his phone. And two days later, can you imagine how, if you're a little persistent, how, how you can bend a little thing, some things here? And two days later, he calls me and says, I've got good news. You're cancer-free. Everything is okay. He said, just stay away from spicy food and all that stuff. And. What you've got is you've got a severe case of acid reflux, so, so don't do that. And, you, you know, stay away from those foods, blah, blah, blah. And so I stayed away from those foods, and, and I did all that. But you know what I did yesterday? I ate about a gallon of salsa. What I'm trying to tell you is God has healed me. God has even taken away that from me. My voice, it's hard to lose my voice right now. I preached four times in the last four days. I've, I've sung my heart out this morning. There is no reason why I should have a voice. But there is a reason because God has anointed me. I am a man of God. He has called me for such a time as this. And he's going to give me everything I need to succeed. He's going to give me the power and the ability. I may need to go through a storm. But that storm is to only make me be the man that I need to be. Come on, somebody needs to give God praise right now. Come on, give God praise. Give God praise. Give God praise. Give God praise. Hallelujah. Come on, from the bottom of your hearts. We're just about done here, and God's going to pour out His Spirit in this place. I asked the Lord tonight for a confirmation. Give me a confirmation of the Word of God that I'm to speak to this church tonight, Lord. And when Pastor Feld, Senior Pastor Feld, said the boss is going to speak for a moment. 
I was looking around. I knew he was talking about. We're like, where is she at? Stood up. Said that she prayed today. She says everything is is in line. Everything in place. Everything's in place. And when she said that, I said, that's my message tonight. Because he's preaching it. Everything is in place. Revival and harvest in Belgrade. Everything is in place. I don't know why we went the route we did to get in place, but God is the one steering this ship, and everything is in place. Come on, I'm speaking in the Holy Ghost tonight. I'm not just trying to motivate you. Everything is in place. (laughs) Everything. Someone needs to receive that right now. Everything is in place. Everything is in place. Everything is in place. The men and the women to change this city for the gospel of Jesus Christ, they are in place. Everything is in place. Oh, Yelamoshanda Listen now, Paul was in the midst of that storm. He was in the boat. Finally, the boat was shipwrecked. It was stalled. It began to break. It began to splinter off. Paul said this. He said, man... with me here now I told you to stay in the boat and I stay in the boat now I'm moving in a different direction God is taking us so if you want to live grab a hold of the broken pieces of the boat and the shipwreck boards and they're going to take you to that certainty broken pieces and those shipwreck boards I just kind of changed the meaning, and I don't know if it's even theologically correct, but it, it'll work. If the church is focused is on broken people, the shipwreck lives, and if that's what we're grabbing, they will take us to that certain island. You see, Paul thought he was supposed to go to Rome, and he was. But God had a pit stop for him to make along the way. He went to an island. Those broken pieces and those shipwreck boards took him to an island where the Bible says they were a barbarous people. You remember the story in Sunday school? They started grabbing some sticks and got bit. And they started their counting on ten. This man is God. Paul said, I'm, I'm, I'm not God, but I'm a man of God. And I know the one true God. And on that certain island, they had apostolic Holy Ghost revival. A place where Paul would have never went. A place where Paul would have never journeyed on his own. He was going to Rome. But God said, no, I, I got a place of storm in your life. Because you won't understand the reason why I'm taking you to this island, but I gotta get you there because there's somebody that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You wouldn't have went there on your own, Paul. Just trust me. And revival happened, and the Holy Ghost happened, and people's lives were changed. And sure enough, Acts 28, another guy named Alexandria comes in, picks up Paul and takes him to Rome back under his mission. The storm had to take Paul to a place he would have never went. Brothers and sisters, the storm 
sacrifice for you. You may not understand today what's going on here, but God understands it. And God knows it. He will take you to the place. There is a reason that you're in this house right now. There is a reason, brother, why you're in this house. I, I feel the Holy Ghost is on you. I believe you want the Lord more than you've ever wanted before. Am I right? Are you going through a storm right now? Is that why what brought you here to the house of the Lord? Because you're going through a storm? Yeah. You're not here by coincidence, are you? You're here because God wants you to be here tonight. And can you just take this as a prophetic word for your life? That God has you in mind? That God will be faithful to finish the work that he has started in you. You're in the will of God right now. But the problem was, the problem was also the solution. The problem that brought you here might have been the only thing that brought you here. Am I right? This problem that's going on in your life was the only thing that might have driven you to the house of God. Am I correct? Sis, you're here because God loves you. When I seen you walking in the house of the Lord today, I said, Lord, I know why I've got a word. Because you push me. Be of good cheer. You are in the right position. You are in the right place. Somebody needs to pray and touch the Lord right now. Come on, not shallow. Let's not shallow. Let's, let's go deep right now. Come on, come on, the Holy Ghost is moving right now. The Holy Ghost is moving. That's it, that's it. You know, we're just going to open these altars right now. I, I want everyone to come, everyone. Get out of your seats, get out of your seats. Let's move now. Let's move. Let's move under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Let's move under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Our brother, come. Yeah, yeah. The storm is only taking you to the place that God always wanted for you to go to. Yes. Come on, begin to cry out unto the Lord. It's all right. Let's get honest with him. Let's, let's get transparent with him. Holy Ghost is sweeping in this house. 
Oh, yes. I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood. I will be still, know you are God. Go ahead, young man. Go ahead, young man. Go ahead, young man. Come on, elder saints of God. Come on, middle-aged young ladies. Come on, cry out unto the Lord. Everything is in the right position. Everything is in the right placement. Embrace your storm. Trust the Lord tonight. That's it, that's it, that's it. Come on, speak in that heavenly language. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost tonight. (laughs) I've come to assure you and to tell you to be of good cheer. You have a place to go. Sing it again. Where the oceans rise and thunders roar, I will soar with you. I will soar with you above the Father, you are king over. I will, I will be still. Know you are God. Where the I will soar with I will soar with you. <laughs> Go ahead, Holy Ghost. Move in this house. Father, you are king over. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead and get your victory. Get your joy back tonight. There's a peace in this house that passeth all understanding. Oh, glory to God.
Listen, if it's appropriate, I want you to grab hands with a woman, woman with a man, woman, man with a man. We're going to pray together as a family here. We're going to join together in unity. Yeah. Let's join together in unity here today. Yeah. There's some trials that we face alone, and then there's trials and storms that we face together. Right now, we're unified together. You've heard the word of the Lord. Be of good cheer. Now what I want you to do is to pray for your neighbor. Pray that the Holy Ghost and joy would just move upon their lives right now in the name of the Lord. Come on, begin to pray. Begin to pray for your neighbor like you would want them to pray for yourself. <laughs> 